0: Leadership comes from the top. And if you have a leader that's customer obsessed, every person in that group becomes customer obsessed. And for me, that is a product lens. A customer lens is a product lens. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome for another episode of Modern Business Operations. My name is Sagi. I'm the CEO and founder of Tonkin. And today I have the pleasure of hosting Anna, F- the Chief Operation Officer of MoneyGram. Thank you so much for joining.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you and your listeners.
1: Awesome. Well, like any episode, I would just love to know a little more about you. What's your background? How did you end up with a Chief Operation Officer? And maybe a little bit on MoneyGram too.
0: Sure. Well, I started my career as a technical writer. And I think you and I will probably talk a little bit more about that during the course of our conversation. From there, I shifted from technical writing into the product world. Product was a great home for me. I loved the solutioning aspects of it. I loved that I got to build things for customers and I got to fix things and solve their problems. From there at MoneyGram, we split product into product solutions and a go-to-market role. And I took the go-to-market role and my role really grew from there. I started taking on more components of The operational aspects of compliance, things that touched our customers and agents, agent oversight, which is how we operationalize compliance for our agents. And then finally, just late last year, I was lucky to have IT join my organization and I became COO. So it's a bit of a lattice path. It's not the traditional straight line, but I'm really having a great time. Oh, and a little bit about MoneyGram. So MoneyGram is the world's oldest startup. We're about 80 years old. We are started to do cross-border transfer, mostly immigrants sending money home to their loved ones, mostly cross-border and mostly cash. We're now a financial services company where in more than half of the 200 countries where we're operational, that operation, that sending or receiving of cash is in digital form. So your listeners can go and see our product at MoneyGram.com and It's a really cool company with a great mission.
1: I love all the startup. It's it's definitely fascinating. We talked a little bit about that before, and I think it's very interesting, that sort of jump. You know, I've talked to folks that comes from all walks of life and ended up in operations and the skill set, of this problem solving and like building solutions is always sort of like core to it. But tell me more about that sort of first jump between the technical writer and the product.
0: Yeah, so first real life is that I was attracted to technical writing because it's one of the only ways to pay the rent with an English degree. So (laughs) setting aside that very practical aspect of things, I loved being a technical writer. I loved that I got to talk to the engineers and the developers about new stuff. I loved being the first person to use hardware and software. not to be too cheesy about it but there's a certain poetry to technical writing it's one step per sentence it always starts with an action i just loved that and then i loved the fact that my i mean nobody wants to use the manual but if you do need to use the manual i really enjoyed the feeling like okay i'm helping people solve their problems i also think for me one of the first places i did technical writing was in an operations setting so It was a manufacturing floor where I was writing instructions for the operators on how to build product. And being in that setting just made my heart sing. I loved watching other people build stuff and seeing these component parts become whole machines and watching all of the metrics around that process, all of the quality controls, how to make it faster, how they looked for opportunities to reduce inventory and increase throughput. Everything about that process, even though all I was was a technical writer, was just so attractive to me to be around it. So from there, I thought, well, maybe instead of just writing about this, I could play a bigger role. And maybe maybe I would like to develop hardware and software myself. And so that's where I made the leap from kind of being more of an observer and a documenter of what I was seeing to actually being in the driver's seat and being a product owner.
1: I can't believe like how I've never made that connection before. It sounds so obvious when you explain it, because personally, I always think about operations or should I say good operations and good processes, it's where the policy and standard meets good experience and that's pretty hard to do. And it's not different than building actual products to your point to kind of consumer or or like end users to use. When you build processes and your customer or consumer is maybe an employee or maybe it's a partner, but it's still sort of like that productization of whatever policy on startup that you want to play. And now that you mentioned the technical writer and the manual, it makes a lot of sense because that's what you end up trying to do, You're trying to say, hey, person, to achieve this thing, you need to go through those steps, but it has to be written and described in a way that is engaging enough and easier for them to understand and be helpful. This is fascinating. I'm kind of blown away that I've never thought about that comparison. But I think the manufacturing floor is also super interesting. I think this is obviously where all the best practices, industrial revolution, so on and so forth, come from. And knowledge workers might not even have that sort of relationship with the fundamental history of how you feel, create a... The messiness of a manufacturing floor. Now, how much do you think this contributes to your day-to-day today when you run, you know, an operation group?
0: I think the things that attracted me to manufacturing are the same things that attract me to operations. There's really a straight line between those things and how I felt about product. I think in all cases it starts with an obsession with the customer. So whether you're building a product for the customer, writing a manual for the customer, or servicing a phone call for the customer, your focus is the customer. And in all those roles, there's an ongoing realization and the framework where anything you touch, touches something else. So in the operations world and in the manufacturing world, when you modify a process, you look all around that modification to see what might I have impacted. And so I would say the way that it impacts me day to day, that manufacturing lens is that I really am still... I just love customers. And I think most good operators and good product people are really systems thinkers. So whether you're changing a process or a system, or even some of the soft skills that maybe your representatives are using always looking for, if I change this, what else in the system is impacted? Where else do I see volatility? Is it is it a desired outcome or not? And so I think that's really the straight line between all the roles is customers and being a systems end-to-end thinker.
1: You think this is common or do you think this is more of a Within peers and folks. Yeah.
0: So when I first moved from product to operations, this might be a bit controversial. It was when I moved into that delivery aspect of product and that role sat in the operations group. And the day after my function moved to the operations group, a very sweet, well-intentioned HR person stopped by and said, congratulations on your move to operations. And it was like a knife to the heart. (laughs) Like, oh no, I've moved from product, this shiny, innovative place to operations, which is standard and boring and behind the scenes. And so I had this really visceral negative reaction to those words. And what I learned over the next couple of weeks was wow, operations is awesome. They get to talk to customers whenever they want. It's their job. They don't even have to seek them out or do a study. They just get to talk to them. (laughs) So I think it's not common for a product person to think to themselves, well, I'd really like to move to operations. But I think it's very common for good product people to make great operators and vice versa. Because again, that obsession with the customer, the obsession with hey, if I do this, what happens over here? The constant test and learn and adjust, the solutioning that we spoke about, all of those things are common between really good product people and really good operators.
1: I cannot agree more. What's interesting to me is that, and I've said it actually in this podcast a few times where I think that operation people are actually product people, they just don't know it yet. And I come from product too, and running companies in a way and operating Role too. So I definitely relate to it. Well, again, I completely agree with your assessment of like people moving from product and the product people can be great operators. How many of professional people, though, that not necessarily came from product actually think about the role as a product role? This is something that I'm still having a hard time getting grief on.
0: It's a good question. And I think there might be an opportunity there for operations function and operations as an industry to see themselves that way. Because first of all, it's a very empowering mindset. Instead of having things given to you and you're told to operationalize these things, instead of that dynamic, it's more like you're in the driver's seat. You're part of the customer journey. You own part of the customer journey. Now, how do you make that as the product owner of that part of the customer journey? How do you make that what you want it to be and what the customer needs it to be. So I would agree with where I think you're going, which is it's not a common mindset, but I think that it's something that we could introduce as a way of thinking about their role.
1: This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonking.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast.
0: And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community.
1: I completely agree. There's another funny thought that came to me when you mentioned the knife to the heart. (laughs) (laughs) And also what you said about the, if people in operations will think about themselves as a product you really so like elevate the way of thinking about it. The word that came to me when you said the natural the heart is actually bureaucracy, which I think everyone has like a disgusted, you know, feeling <laughs> when they think about that and like the negativity about it. But like if you look it up, it literally just means complex system and processes that trying to create a standard, which is like basically what we're trying to do in operations. And that's honestly not that different than product. Is when you're trying to make the user of that product hardware whatever it is you're trying to help them get to a certain thing like get to a certain place i think the difference is when you think about from a product perspective i'm going to connect to your core point about the customer when you think about things from a product perspective your assumption is it's not given that the person involved would do what you want them to do like you need to create the experience that would sort of like help them get there but if you think about a project or, or process from a bureaucracy point of view, it's like the opposite. Like they don't really care about your experience, you know, you have to do it. It's just what it is. Oh, sorry, we don't have this form online. You have to come to the physical location. Like they don't really care because you're captivated. So like they have the upper end. And I think maybe that's part of what can help people realize why it's important to think about a person from a product perspective. And again, I want your thoughts because I do think it's actually the manufacturing They saw like old industries versus the new industries. the old industries, a lot of processes were like, if you don't do that, you can get hurt. The machine might explode on you by serving the army for four years. And that's similar. That's like an old way of putting policies, but the policies are like written in blood, quote unquote, right? If you don't do that, you might die. And then you come to the corporate world and it's like, well, that's actually not true anymore. And so people are like, well, I'm measured on closing deals. So mm, I don't know if I'm going to follow your process because I need to close that deal. And so even if I don't follow it, I'm not going to get fired because I'm still closing the deal. And then the process really becomes, the process owner really becomes a product person more than anything else. How do I make you do the process, but in a way that you would want to do the process, in a yes. way that I actually gives you value?
0: So interesting you bring this up. So we get a lot of phone calls from customers and we like I mentioned, we serve customers in hundreds of countries. Servicing those phone calls with representatives who speak the languages, that's really expensive. If we can instead make it more attractive for that consumer to chat with us using technology that does the translation for us, that's a much less expensive proposition for MoneyGram. And so I have a couple of choices. I can degrade the call center experience such that the consumer does not wish to speak to me like that's not attractive anymore. Or I can make the chat experience so good that they're drawn to that. So I think that's where if you have operators who think like product people, you're thinking more of how do I make this experience so attractive? This one's no longer desirable rather than Let's make this one so bad. <laughs> or just unavailable. Some companies have chosen to just make the call center experience unavailable. I think if we allowed and encouraged and expected operators to think like product people, you'd get much more of, hey, make the experience so attractive that it's a win-win. It's a win for you from a cost base perspective, and it's a win from the customer from an experience perspective.
1: We that 40 degree. I'm kind of curious. Do you bring with you, from a management style or from like the way you run your teams, some of those concepts too, of like how product teams are being managed and some of the methodologies there.
0: I think so because it's how I grew up. I also think so because on my team today, I have our chief product officer who's just an incredible wealth of knowledge and has great discipline and also our head of the contact center. And so my staff meeting encompasses both of these leaders. And even if I didn't lead like a product leader within that meeting, you have a product lens that's available to the entire leadership group. So I think it naturally happens. I also think leadership comes from the top. And if you have a leader that's customer obsessed, every person in that group becomes customer obsessed. And for me, that is a product lens. A customer lens is a product lens. I also think in most cases, the operations lens is that as well. But sometimes depending on the leader, it can be overshadowed by an efficiency focus. And I think those things have to be really balanced. Like I just described, there's a way to get to efficiencies that's win-win. But if you only focus on efficiencies, the straightest path is going to be probably something that Diminishes a service or diminishes staffing or something that might undercut the customer experience.
1: I love that. I think that's actually super practical advice because I think, especially with this, you know, recording this at the beginning of 2023, like the financial situation, the financial climate is definitely going deeper and deeper into whatever you want to call it. You know, people are now not sure what you define as a recession anymore. I don't know with the definition change, but. What's for sure is that people are encouraged to make the efficiency point be the number one point. And I think it's important to remember, again to your point, that you don't want it to come in stead of customer service or customer experience, because that would lead eventually to the opposite. The efficiency you are trying to gain are actually gonna kind of sort of like boomerang. For you and, and I honestly think that if you do go all in with the product landscape, to your point, the biggest efficiencies actually comes from better experience in a way. This is kind of what's crazy to me is that the parallels around other department and part of the business are so similar, if not identical, because we're all just people, you know, we're just all people interacting with each other. And just like if you have a better experience for your prospects and you sell like, thoughtful about the timing of it, then the quality of those prospects will be higher and therefore your conversion going to be higher and so forth, versus spamming people for that matter of like bad experience. And the same goes to customer support, same goes to internal customers and operations and just cutting services or to cut costs and stuff like that, usually sort of like backfires. And you mentioned like, you know, the examples with the different countries and the different languages, I wanted to follow up on that. Was that sort of like mostly externally or also internally when you talk about customers from an operation perspective? Are you guys globally from that perspective as well, from your own employees?
0: We do have a pretty global workforce. We have large employee populations in the U.S. where I am now. We have pretty large populations in Warsaw and in India, and then a few offices throughout Europe and in Dubai. So I've worked some places where they'll say a global workforce, and that means maybe a service center in Germany. MoneyGram, it's a truly global workforce.
1: That's amazing. Do you feel like sometimes managing that is even more complex than growing the business?
0: It's an interesting question. Mostly what I think about when I think about the diversity of our employee population is how lucky I am to get to know. How life is other places. It's really changed me as a person to travel the world, to visit with our employees, and to visit with our customers and agents. You know, there's that saying, whatever you see, you can't unsee. (laughs) Once you experience what life is like other places, it can only make you better. And so I do think there's complexities. There's times where, just to be super practical, I'll be on a call really, really, really late at night. And maybe the use case being described is unfamiliar to me. And maybe there's several different accents on the call and you have to use your whole brain to figure out what's going on. But outside of that, those really tactical things, for me, there's only upside to being exposed to how life works other places. And it makes you smarter It makes you more compassionate and empathetic. And it's really one of the things that keeps me at MoneyGram.
1: Yeah, I love it. I hope that the last few years, you know, server line is that people get to the remote thing opens up the opportunity for more people to work, you know, with global companies or other companies and have the exposure for it. So maybe as we're getting closer to, to a time here, a couple questions I'd like to ask around those, especially with your very interesting and unique way that you got into operations. What do you think from like people that didn't come for product? So I think one advice you already mentioned is If you're a product person, and I'm kind of, sorry if I'm speaking on your behalf, but if you're a product person, you should think about operations as an interesting way to kind of bring your skill set into a world that actually really needed and not as a stab at the heart kind of thing. What would be the other side of it or like what, you know, folks that are in operations right now or moving or just moved into that role? What would be like a, a simple tip or like advice that you might want to share?
0: maybe not career advice, but it's really helped me in my career. Well, let me back up. I grew up in a really big family and my mom did not want to be bothered with us tattling on each other. And so she would say, be a problem solver, not a problem maker. And I might as well have tattoo of that myself (laughs) because it's so in my head. And I think in both operations and in product, what you're really doing is being a problem solver. Every single day, you're solving a problem. Whether you're a product owner or a process owner or you own a call center group or you own an agent servicing department, every day you are there to solve problems and to make customers' lives better. So if that's something that makes you tick, either operations or product is a great fit for you. If you're a product person and you think, wow, operations, that sounds awful. (laughs) <laughs> I think the thing I would say is maybe it's not for everyone, but for me, the endless stream of customer challenges, I love it. I love knowing the challenges customers are having, thinking about how we can solve for those things, looking at what our cost base is, and thinking, what are the efficiencies that would help customers and also improve our cost base? Where are the win-wins? How can I, Make this better. And conversely, if you're in operations and you think, well, product is, that's a completely different thing. (laughs) It is different in some ways. It's less about throughput, although there is some of that in terms of delivery. But the fundamentals are the same. You're looking at customer needs, you're thinking end to end. How could I solve for this? Where are the win wins? What are my deadlines? How do I measure quality? All of those things are common between the two functions. And so I would say, if you want great advice, be a problem solver, not a problem maker. And and that there's lots of room for problem solvers in both operations and product teams.
1: I love it. I'm going to use it with my kids too. Well, Anna, thank you so much for this. If people want to reach out and chat more, where is the best way? Is that LinkedIn, Twitter,
0: I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me at Anna Greenwald on LinkedIn. You can also email me at agreenwald at moneygram.com. I do check my email all the time. I love, love, love to talk about MoneyGram, our customers, and about product and operations. So thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. That was great.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of modern business operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash MBO pod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.